0: Welcome to The Clubhouse
1: with Mark Allen and Julian Bayard. Yes, good day everyone and welcome to The Clubhouse. Terrific to have your company right around Australia on this terrific weekend in Australian golf. It is Australian Open Golf Weekend. Julian Bayard is my name. Mark Allen is here. We're on course, live, on location at the magnificent Australian Golf Club here in Sydney. And Marco, what a uh, what a weekend and what an event we have seen. Sun's been out since Thursday. Uh, it's sensational, chores. and course is in great nick, and we've uh, we've seen a great tournament so far. Yeah,
0: absolutely, we have. Uh, and the golf course, yeah, I'm fascinated by this golf course. I'm fascinated by the setup this week. Mm. No rough. I mean, it, yeah. they've done their pine trees around the place, and they've got uh, you know kind of bucky stuff underneath the pine trees where they poison the rough. Uh, you can see a very you know, a, a distinct line where the cooch ends and, yes. and then this tan bark starts. Mm. It looks very much, and especially with some of the flyovers, uh, it's starting to look not as, not as pretty as Augusta. I Mate, mean, it's got a real Augusta, Augusta way. About it
1: to Augusta. First thing I thought when I walked in here, and I saw this first hole where yeah. we're situated here for AO Radio. First hole. You've got these big pine trees. You've got the, way the way pine the straw. Yeah. You've got no rough. There's no long grass. Yeah. I thought... They're making an Augusta. No, it's very. Deep. I love it, and it seems the sort of golf course I'd like because I often find myself in the rough, Marco. <laughs> and it seems like you could play out of this yeah. type of uh, type of rough on the side. I saw. A, I saw. A, we had the pro am earlier in the week.
2: Hmm.
1: I saw blokes hitting driver off this stuff, Marco, and making the, the clean rough. connect. No, out of the pines, through pine and, and the pines, and making clean connection. Yeah, like, look, well, look, I love
0: that. Yeah. You know, one of the great things about golf is uh, recovery, and mm. we sometimes we don't see it. One of the most exciting yes. things that you have in the game is recovery. You know, when you used to see Seve Ballesteros mm-hmm. find a way out of the trees, and when you've got the long rough and trees and low-hanging branches, that recovery is taken out of the golfers' arsenal. But here at the Australian, you can see, look at all these trees. Look at all the ones that are Mm -hmm. in front of us. One thing is common. There are no branches anywhere near the ground. That's right. They are all nipped Mm -hmm. and taken away. And that's exactly what they do at Augusta. You know, at Augusta, you can can walk around for four or five days in Augusta. And I want you to tell me if you ever see a limb hanging down. (laughs) The only limbs that survive are the ones that shoot up in the air. You, won't see, you uh, won't see one. One, it makes golf much easier to play because you're not looking for golf balls all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, two, you bring recovery back into the game, and that has its dangers. You have a good day with recovery, mm-hmm. uh, and you can shoot a really low score. You have a bad day with recovery, and your score will blow out Shocking. twice as much as if you have a good day. So, you know, the risk-reward is brought back into the game, mm-hmm. and certainly at the Australian Golf Club this week we've seen a lot of people try to recover. Good and bad shots, yes. the good ones are great to look at. They are fantastic to look at. The bad ones, well, they're always making a bogey or a double bogey after a bad recovery shot.
1: There's nothing better than watching golf when blokes have to try and invent a shot. They've got to try and punch a low one yeah. around a corner or slice one out and you know, try yeah. and get a chip and run up to the green and then try and get it up and down to save par. I love that sort of golf. Yeah, I there is. I love it.
0: But you know, the, other way, the other thing is the protection of a golf course, your average, you know, your, your nuts and bolts golf course that you know, most people that we're talking to right mm-hmm. now would play on, if they didn't have any kind of rough at all, that would become super easy golf courses. Yeah. Now, I don't mind that. There's nothing wrong with having an
1: easy, enjoyable mm-hmm. golf course, but there's got to be something. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the, the golf course has to have a little bit of something. and So tell the listeners out there, Marco, who might not have seen much of this course on TV this week, what's this course bringing that's making it tougher without the long rough that yeah. we've, we normally well, are used to see? Well, length is a factor. Yeah.
0: Length is a factor. It's 7,200 yards long, so 6,600 metres, mm-hmm. um, and... And it's a par 71. So the first hole, I mean, if you've been lucky enough to play the Australian Golf Club, uh, you'll always remember the first hole as a Mm. par 5. That's not the case. They've got the grandstands on the back tee, Mm -hmm. and they've used, I think, the second tee forward. So the hole actually plays around 480 metres. 400, excuse me, 440 metres, something like that, the first hole uh, here at the Australian Golf Club. Um, So length is is a protector. One of the things that this golf course certainly does have is a lot of length. You know, the eighth hole this week, 440 metre hole mm-hmm. up a hill. Um, that's probably going to be the toughest golf hole of the week. The first hole, 430 metres. So that's right on the limit of the old limit mm. of what par fours used to be when you know back in the 90s. So it has a lot of long. Par fours, yep. uh, it also has very small greens compared yes. to your average golf course. So, course. you know, this second hole that we see down the hill is huge elevated tee. You come down, the green isn't as big as what maybe you'd be used to. And mm-hmm. that's a characteristic of all the old classical golf courses, not necessarily a characteristic of a Jack Nicholas golf course. Jack, uh, you know, probably in the 80s was making you know, some really big greens because yep. the, the thinking behind it was we wanted as many pin placements as possible. But as uh, time goes on and, uh, you know, tournaments are played at these golf courses, the one thing that they all had in common was really low scores because it's hard to miss a green and what these designers don't really understand, a lot of them, the poor designers anyway, is that most of the time pros aren't aiming at the flag. Most of the time they safe side. Mm -hmm. It's so important because it's not a sprint. It's a four round marathon to win a golf tournament and when a... When you when you turn up to a golf course like the Australian, like this seventh hole, the seventh hole here is one of the toughest golf holes that we have on uh, on the property. Now it's a really tight drive. You've got to cut a little shot, and then there is water on the right hand side. Yes. Now if we're just having a one day competition to see who has the low score on the seventh, <laughs> everybody in the pl- in the field is bomb and driver yep. down there. But it's not that's not what we're no. doing. You've got to have the low score on the week, and if you can play that hole. Uh, even par or better for the week, you're probably going to be two shots in front of the field. Yeah. And that's the way a good club... Prefer- that's, that's the way Jordan Speed thinks. He'll look at this hole and go, if I played even par for the week... Yeah on up on the rest of the field. Mm. And he'll look at that, all those things, every hole, every time he steps on it, and work out his plan of attack. Well, listening
1: to AO Radio, which we've been working at this week, Marco, it's been the, good fun. it has been. Um, the 8th has been a real intrigue for me. Um, 440, 440 metres 440 straight up the hill metre into the prevailing Into wind. the breeze for much of the week. It uh, is a ref- really, really tough hole. It's
0: been refreshing to see pros hit a fairway wood, Yeah. In for a second shot. That's been good fun. Um, I think Matt Jones, he he must have, I think he healed, he hit a driver off the heel into the wind uh, in the afternoon in round one, and his second shot, not only did he have to hit a three-wood, he had to sling it, Mm -hmm. which means he was aiming right and slinging it back with a big draw to find an extra 10 or 15 metres on the shot. Hit the most beautiful shot you've ever seen, but... You know, I've been talking a lot with Mike Clayton this week, and we're talking about, you know, the way golf used to be played. That's the way golf used to be played. Yep. A lot of the time these days, particularly in the States, you know, the, the second shots are dominated by wedges. In fact, one of the stats brought up this week mm. was that in his most magnificent year, Dustin Johnson, his U.S. Open year, the longest iron he hit into a par four <laughs> for the entire year yeah. was a six iron. It's a disgrace. For the whole year. It's a disgrace, isn't it? Uh, and then. Oh, good on him, I guess. <laughs> yeah, well, it is. Uh, there's a, there was a US Open once played in, uh, in Houston at, at a golf course called Champions. Um, and we looked up this week and, and we saw what Arnold Palmer was hitting in to the hole. Uh, he hit one pitching wedge. The next shortest club that he hit in was a seven iron. And there were lots of threes and lots of twos, and there was a one iron. He hit three wood second shots uh, on all the par fives uh, at Champions. So his his average second shot into all the holes would have been something like a five-iron. So if you translate that to today, and uh, Arnold Palmer was one of the longest hitters in the world back in his day. So if we made it to where the average club for someone like Dustin Johnson was a five-iron second shot in today's, well, you wouldn't have... Six uh, seven 7,600 yard courses you'd have 9,000 yard courses yeah. to be able to accommodate that sort of play. Yeah. I, I don't Crazy. want that anymore. No. And look, look, it's been the big story. One of the reasons we, I mean, if you're listening to AA Radio this week well, we've been talking about and you, can, you actually can during the weekend, so you go to yeah. golf.org.au, no matter where you are when the Australian home's on, you can have a listen to what's going on. Yeah. Um, when, when, we, when we spoke about what's going on this week. One, it's on the back of Wally Uline. Now, if you don't know who Wally Uline is, he is the CEO or the general manager of the biggest ball company the world's ever known, mm-hmm. which is Titleist. Or it's it's known as a Kushner. Yeah. So the last month we've heard from the USGA and they have said they're thinking about knocking the ball back. We've heard Tiger Woods come out in the last two weeks and say, he thinks the ball's going too far. Yep. Jack Nicklaus, Gary Player, Arnold Palmer, for years and years and years said, the ball's just going too far. And when Great. all these
1: influential people come together and starts talking from the same hymn book about the ball needing yeah. to be short, well, so, so the government the government who are looking after it yeah. are going to go, we need to listen. That's right. Now, one of the key components of what I
0: just said, those names, I just said, the USGA yep. included. So Jack Nicklaus, Arnold Palmer, Gary Player, Tiger Woods and the USGA. You know what they are these days? Well, Arnold Palmer, rest in peace. But golf course designers. Mm. So they understand what's going on because they look at the golf courses that they have designed so, uh, and, and very specifically for perhaps tournament play there one day, they look at the yardage um, of, of the golf courses that they've presented mm. and a lot of them are only 7,300 yards long. Yeah. Well, US Opens now, you need, you know, where we played this year and uh, Brooks Kepka shot... A record score on the par, that was, that they could have stretched that out to 78. Most days it played at 7,600 yards long. That's crazy. In, in, impossible length. So, what it does, and this is the thing, what it does is the Australian, where we're here this mm-hmm. week, I mean, it's too short for a US Open. Yeah. It, probably by the end of the week, it might be too short for an Australian Open. Mm. By the end of the week, um, you know, it's, it's judging on some of the scores we've seen early, early in the week. Um, Royal Melbourne, Kingston Heath, New South Wales, Shinnecock Hills, where they'll play the US Open. Um, these golf courses are starting to become obsolete. Yeah. Now, where is Kingston Heath going to find another thousand yards? Where's Royal Melbourne Composite going to find another thousand yards? Where's Shinnecock Hills going to find another thousand yards? So, what's the deal? All these amazing, beautiful golf courses are be going to be thrown out the window. You can't. It would, it would be. Not, it would be like not playing crickets at Lords mm. not, because the
1: bats were too big and they could just clear it. the fence. Oh, time. sorry.
0: Well, we've just got to bulldoze this joint, yeah. and, and so yeah, it, it would be like not playing baseball at Wrigley Field. Yeah. It would be you know all these amazing places that we have as as venues for major championships, we don't want them to become obsolete. Wally Uline, he don't give a crap. All he wants to do is sell titles. sell, Sell golf balls. That's all he wants to do. But here's the thing. I don't understand. Someone's going to have to explain it better to me. I don't understand why, if the USGA and the RNA are the rules makers... Why don't they just do it? If they just say, okay, the ball has to spin this much... With the driver. Because the spin, taking the spin away, is the only thing that is making the golf ball go as far as it goes. Mm -hmm. Because it doesn't spin anymore. The golf ball is not a golf ball anymore with the driver. It is a missile. Mm -hmm. There is no resistance. The backspin Mm -hmm. was always a resistance through the air. The backspin's gone. The the, the, uh, the scientists, the, the rocket scientists that now design golf balls, they are the reason why they can not spin with the driver but spin like you wouldn't believe with the wedges. Yep.
1: They're too clever, Marco.
0: They are way too clever. Too, too, too so, clever. but you explain. I don't know, I don't. Know, yeah. You explain to me. If the USGA and the RNA says, listen, your ball has to conform to these stipulations.
1: Yep. I, why, why can they sue? It was fascinating to hear what Jeff Ogilvy had to say to earlier this week, Mark. I'm not sure if you heard his comments prior to the yeah. Australian Open, saying that he thinks that. People out there can design a golf ball that will halt the distance from the pros, but won't hinder the hacker who's getting around and hitting it 200 yeah, metres. No doubt. So they can still hit the long ball with these great balls. There's folks yeah. out there now. I've, I hit a TP5X earlier this week. Yeah. I could not believe. I, it was the first time I've used the X. Yeah. I could not believe how long and straight it went. Yeah sometimes and, how, and, and, and sometimes yeah and and how much spin you can get around the ground exactly right and then but for me who doesn't hit it that far and just a weekend warrior that's great but that ball the pros are able to do so much more with that oh, with their consistent swing so that that's the thing that's why and, and Ogilvy's comment saying we can design a ball that is good for everyone so we don't need different rules from the amateurs to the pros and that's the that's the that is exactly
0: thing. right. So, yeah. so, look, Jeff Ogilvie's been very balanced in everything that he has said in the past, and th- th- here's a great example, and there's no doubt about that. Yeah. Because the golf ball, particularly the ones that have X on the back, mm-hmm. so the pro ball with an X, so a Pro V1X, TP5X, the Callaway version, Bridgestone version, yep. whatever, all, all of them. Yep. The one that is designed for a player with 115 miles per hour uh, club head speed or to 120. Miles. I mean, the, the ball does that much more mm. in percentage of how far it goes because the pro can get equipment that makes the ball not spin, which means the super X shaft, you know, the, the absolute lamppost. That's the reason why a lot of players use uh, an X shaft. One of them is to keep the ball down. Mm-hmm. The other one is it doesn't spin too much. Mm-hmm. So the pros are using these double X shafts in the drivers with a little bit more loft than normal the ball launches like it normally would and then doesn't spin. Yeah. So the, the average player with a, with 95 miles per hour club head speed, it doesn't make any difference. And that's why forever, you know, all these, a lot of the time they read on the box, goes longer and straighter. And you get the new ball and the amateur player goes, yeah, what are they talking about? Doesn't go longer and straighter. Yeah. But the guy with over 100 miles per hour, they go, Oh, a yeah. second, this is different This is big. and then it goes to a whole new level if you've got 117 miles per hour yep. because they can get the equipment from the tour vans to make it spin even less they'll still have 117 miles per hour club head speed mm. and half the spin yep. so that's what's happening in the world that's of golf it.
1: and well, Wally Uline totally. had a chance to knock it on the head and what did he do? he didn't he didn't do it all right, we're going to get to a break, Marco. We're going to come back. We're going to get stuck into this tournament itself here from some of the na- uh, players who have stopped by uh, AO radio during the week. Some of the big names. Uh, Jared Lyle, we're going to hear from uh, a couple of young Aussies as well, Marco. who we stopped hear from by. We will. We'll hear from him and uh, plenty more to come. Don't forget Marco's Masterclass still to come as well. This is I'm the gonna, Clubhouse. I'm going to write a letter to Wally. <laughs> right around Australia. Julian Bayard, Mark Allen with you. Don't go anywhere. Plenty more still to come.
0: You're listening to The Clubhouse with Mark Allen and Julian Bayard.
1: Hey, welcome back. It is The Clubhouse right around Australia. Julian Bayard, Mark Allen with you talking all things golf. And we are live on location at the Australian Golf Club for the 2017 Emirates Australian Open. Julian Bayard, my name, Mark Allen, in here as well. And Marco, earlier on in the week, you're doing AO radio yep. every day if you want to listen to it, golf.org.au or any of your uh, yep. streaming apps. Any platforms. But you were joined. By a former champion.
0: Absolutely. His name's Bob Shearer. He's one of my favourites. He actually won the Australian Open here yes. in 1982, and he played with Jack Nicholas three of his four rounds. Played with him in the first two, and then got paired with him again in the last. I want you to listen to the story where he talks about his last shot into the final hole. You know it here very well, because it's a driver and a long iron, mm-hmm. and there is water right there. Now he had a lead. You've got to listen to what he did with his second shot into the last. (laughs) So, Bob, what do you remember? 1982, here at the Australian, uh, Jack Nicklaus would have just redone the course for the first time. Yeah. uh, And you walked away with the Stonehaven Cup. What what can you
3: remember from the week? Would you like me to start at the first half? No, 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 (laughs) no. Just the highlights, please. (laughs) Uh, Well, yeah, it's probably... I look back on it, and it was a bit like when I was very fortunate to win the Australian Amateur. And for some reason that week... I hardly missed a shot, right. and the same happened here, and it was fortunate that I had that week at, here at the Australian Open. Um, I think I went for, I don't know, probably five, nearly 10 years be- previous to that, that I felt that I played good enough to win an Australian Open, but couldn't do it, and it was starting to get get to me, I think, and, and uh, I can only say Jack Nicholas helped me out here, Oh, God. Just by being Jack Nicholas, I played with him the first two days, and then the last day, and you just don't want to make a fool of yourself in front of him. Or I didn't, you know. And and uh, I probably played the best I've played. Incredible. For well, can, ever, can really.
0: You, did you ever? Did you ever a, a swing key or something that you were thinking about that week that you can that you remember? No, I mean, not really. I,
3: I I had the feeling I was swinging well, and it's only when I saw replays of it yeah. that that confirmed that I wish I could have done that or did that sort of swing every week well, you did, what do you mean? well you did, <laughs> did. you always no, did you were a great hitter not quite, hitter quite that golf. bad it was I I don't know I had a good turn and I had to yeah. just probably l- short a parallel with the swing we which you know I used to overswing a bit yeah. but not that week it was sort of locked into the Area and I don't know the the course and the yeah,
2: grass the and everything. Beautiful
3: Eighteenth yeah, over the water. We I mean, didn't yeah. have to really. Like, what's he doing? Mm. Just no. iron nine oh. nine, nine nine wedge pulls on oh. oh. out oh. and just whips it on the middle of the green. Did you really? Yeah, was I, one was, of the, one I was, of uh, yeah, was I amazing. was having a fight. I had a fight with the caddy yeah. and I had a fight with head marshal.
0: Why? Why did you ever fight with the marshal? I understand well, why Bob you a fought with the Bob
3: caddy. Wilson, he's not with us anymore, but he was—he was the head marshal. He was a member here, and he was, he was the, the Slaz, Dunlop Slazenger man. Right. And he told me no, to lay up as well. <laughs> and <laughs> I asked, like, I got down there, and Nicholas hit a one iron on the green. Right. So I thought I've got to, you know, like, I was 15 yards in front of him. I thought I've got to do that sort of thing. And I said, "What's the yardage to the front of the green?" to Lawrence, and he said 135. I said, no, 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 not the front of the water, the front of the green. <laughs> <laughs> so he said, oh, no, no, sir, we're, we're laying up. And the only thing that went through my mind is I could lay up and then hit three the of the water and, water. and lose. Yeah. <laughs> but if I hit hit that second shot and it landed on land, it didn't matter where it went after that, yeah. particularly into the water, because yeah. you drop it on the edge of the green, Two putt, you win. The mindset of a champion. Yeah. It, uh, anyway, I was uh, in a tug of war with the three iron. So.
0: Right. So you played with Jack Nicklaus that week three times. Yes. Yeah. And yeah, you know, Jack. Uh, what was he in 1986? He was 42. No, 82. Yeah, but yeah, in 1986 he was 46. So he gave was his, 42. He was 42 years old, so still going. No, he was really, really well. Oh
3: yeah. I mean, there wasn't much. Well, there's no one better at hitting than him, and and he was, he was on that week too. Can, so, can
0: you remember what, much of what he did, and, and the way he was speaking to you, and, and things like that? Y- yes, we're, we're all, yeah. I'm fascinated. About yes. It. You play with him three times. You beat the man in your home open at a golf course that he designed.
3: Yeah, yeah. Well, it, you know, I mean, when he he speaks. He always speaks to his playing partners. Hmm. Um, he's that type of bloke. As good as golf. I mean, he had the mindset that. He was going to beat him anyway, beat everybody. So yeah. might as well talk to him. <laughs> <laughs> but um, he was still playing pretty well at that stage. and Incredible. You know, he, he hit a few iron shots that you just stood back and thought that couldn't, you can't do that. You know, <laughs> I remember one at the twelfth uh, hole, and I don't know, it was probably about a six iron, maybe yeah. even a five iron. Sec- a, second driving shot. Driving a wedge now. Well. <laughs> You know, I was hitting at 89.9 nine, nine yeah. into there. Yeah. <laughs> Off the forward, to, to the back, tee there now. Yeah, but it was windy, I told <laughs> yeah, you. Okay. The wind was into our face on yeah, that true. hole. It, it, it wind was in your face on every hole?
1: No, that's now. <laughs> <laughs> Fascinating chat, Marco. He was brilliant to uh, to stop by and give us some of his time earlier in the week. Yeah, he's an
0: old bloke these days, probably. He's been a yeah. member at Southern Golf Club down in Victoria for a long, long time. Yeah. What's his handicap, you reckon? He's like uh, 65. Uh, one. Two. <laughs> still going all right. Might be crazy. He should be approaching 70, I think, Bob. Yeah. He's going all right. He's a star. Going
1: all right. We're going to get to a break. Uh, still plenty more Clubhouse to come. Stick around. Don't go anywhere.
4: You're
0: listening to The Clubhouse with Mark Allen and Julian Bayard.
1: Welcome back. It is the clubhouse. Julian Bayard is. My name Mark Allen is here as well, talking all things golf live on location at the Australian Golf Club in Sydney for the Emirates Twenty Seventeen Australian Open. Now, Marco, earlier mm-hmm. on in the week, Thursday, in fact, young Cam Davis. Wow, what a round! What about the eight under par sixty-three he posted? Birdies the first two holes past the third. Then goes birdie, birdie, birdie.
0: So he's five under through six Mm -hmm. holes. He misses the green on the next hole. Mm -hmm. Chips it in. Mm -hmm. So there's four birdies in a row. Two to start with. He's six under through seven. Goes to the next hole. Hits his second shot in the trap. Guess what happens? What does he do? He lipped it out. (laughs) He almost had a start where he birdied seven of the first eight holes. He went on the shoot 63. That's an eight under pass score. He's a former... Australian amateur champion, mm-hmm. did that back in 2015 he was a good kid and this yeah. was a good chat well we're very lucky to have the headquarters, uh, in headquarters here in our studio, Cameron Davis the leader of the Emirates Australian Open, 8 under par he shot today, uh, I want to ask him about his start, birdied the first 2, uh, had a little par and then birdie the next 4 to get off to a cracking start, 6 under through 7 <laughs> Uh, maybe a couple of bogeys on the back, or one bogey on the ninth hole, and then cruised home in 33. Cameron, congratulations. Well done on the round. Thank you. Yeah. Tell us uh, how that uh, starts uh, got out for you. I mean, the birdie the first two was the dream start, then the par, then four in a row.
4: What were you feeling? It was a bit of a shame about the par, really. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was... I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't say it went like a dream. I, I, just, I just kept on aiming at spots and, and hitting them. That was really all that happened. I made a couple of nice you know six seven footers for birdie but i was just hitting the drives where i wanted them then i was you know hitting my shots into the greens and using the right slopes so the landing areas were effectively a little bit bigger but you know i just you know kept on hitting it out of the middle of the club face and then picking the right club obviously because i was near the hole so you know i just kept on just playing within myself just giving myself chances and then yeah i was you know to get that many birdies in i'd didn't really think about it at the time but looking back on it it was pretty good. It,
3: is it when yeah. you go out and conditions that are as perfect as they were this morning, I mean,
0: is there a wee bit of pressure, you know, you've kind of got to take advantage here or did that even cross your
4: mind? Uh well, it kind of does before you start the round. You're like, Oh, it's a morning round, you're off near the near the front of the field so the greens are gonna be fresh and the wind's not really gonna be up, you'd like to take advantage of it. Once you get started you 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 like to think it just goes straight out the back of your mind and yeah. Today it really did. I just you you know, did One shot at a time deal. Yeah, well, especially when, when the birdies come easy, like hitting the ball in the middle of the green that rolls up near the hole and you make a putt and it's like, yeah. well, I don't actually have to try that hard for it to happen. Yeah. It was one of those days, so I was just swinging well enough to hit my spots and then I was able to just, you know, not play conservatively, but play to spots where the ball could actually feed down towards the hole rather than trying to go straight at it. Yeah. So playing like that made it a lot more stress-free and, um, you know, it was a little bit easier to keep it going because a lot of the pins were in spots where they were in a bowl and you could use you know, right. 15 feet right and 15 feet left and yeah. 15 feet long and it would all feed down to the hole. So as long as you're in that area, you're going to leave yourself a good chance to birdie. So, Cameron, uh, you be the first two like we said and then you be the next
0: three. Uh, you miss the green on the seventh and you chip in, I'm mm-hmm. being told. Yeah. You go to the next hole, you're in a bunker. So you're, seven under, you're six under through seven holes. You get to the eighth hole. And you almost hold the trap shot on the eighth as well. You lipped out. You out.
4: Yeah, yeah. It was. Um, it was quite a long one too. I was in short of the green. The pin was right at the back on a little shelf. So I'm just thinking. No, I've got a little bit of room to work with. If I land it short of the ridge, it should skip up. If it lands into the ridge, it should slow it down. So I've got a little bit of room to work with, but it was a hard shot, and it just came out so perfect. It came out low and spinning, and it landed just at the of So it went up, and it was in line with the hole, and it's no way, not not two in a row, because <laughs> <laughs> the one on the hole before was a hard enough shot as well. Yeah. You kind of did the same thing, came out hot but spinny, and just tracked straight at the hole and checked and went in, and then, yeah. It caught a big piece of the hole. It took a bit of a horseshoe, but to be honest, just to get on that top shelf was um, was a really good shot, and for it to almost go in, I was a little bit bizarre myself. (laughs) Obviously, you've made a better job of playing the course than anybody else this morning. I mean, how how did it play in general? Well, I just I think if you're hitting the ball in the fairway off the tee with your driver, it was it wasn't that difficult. I mean, the the way the greens are, the greens are so perfect; um, they're not too hard to read either. It only gets really tricky when the wind starts coming up because the wind does affect it a little yeah. bit on the greens and they did start to get a little bit shiny and a little bit speedy. But um, especially for the first nine holes without the wind, mm. it was out there to get. Like, I'm not surprised that there are a lot of guys yeah. up there. I mean, I'm, I'm glad I played, played all the way around and played really well and managed to shoot a really good score because you're going to need it mm. when you've got the conditions like that for you. And it was great to get one of the youngsters on, Marco. Straight Terrible. after he had a
1: chad. Always giving with his time. Brilliant. How, relaxed. Yes. How relaxed was he? I know you Cameron spoke to him. You actually
0: got him on him. He's, he's a good character, he's a good
1: he? guy. He's a good guy. Um, speaking he of was. good young players, Marco, yeah. Carl Phillips. <laughs> what
0: about this young guy? This kid's 15 years old. 15. I've been following him for a long time. Pennant in Melbourne is a big deal, folks, if you're not yep. uh, from Victoria. This kid's been playing Division One pennant since he was ten years old. Yeah, he goes across to America on a high school project. Uh, he's won one of the big amateur championships in America, where the college players were there. Mm-hmm. He's already signed a letter of intent to go to Stanford. Yep. University. That's where full, Tiger Woods
1: went. Full scholarship.
0: And we spoke to him after he shot 73 in the 72 on the third over par. Yes. in the first round. We've got a special guest, John, a very special guest. We've been following this young fella for a long, long time. I remember seeing him for the first time on Twitter playing pennant, Division One pennant, when he was about nine years old and sucking back <laughs> sand irons and doing all kinds of crazy stuff. These days, he's just won a big award. I think he's won the Australian Golf Digest Amateur of the Year Award. He's also won one of the biggest amateur tournaments in America at the age of 15, I'm talking about Carl Good day, Carl. Hey, how are you? I'm really well. Nice to have you back in the country. How have you taken the time off school,
2: is what I want to know. I haven't done any schoolwork
0: at all <laughs> since I've been
2: away, but uh, it's
0: fun. I like it. Uh, tell me about now the name of the victor- of, of the big uh, US tournament that you won. I'm sorry, I've forgotten it. It wasn't the North-South, it was Southern the Southern Amateur. Amazing. Uh, at 15 years old, you're playing against some of the best college players the country had to offer and you go and win a tournament like that. Congratulations. What were you feeling coming in, knowing you were a chance to win towards the end?
2: Uh, you know, the third round was kind of rough, so I was heading into the last round a few strokes back, and I just went out and played my game, and, you know, they're some of the best in the world, so I knew I had to play really good to have a chance and uh, made a really good run the last few holes to get through and end up winning by one, and it was, it was I didn't know how to react to it, but I really enjoyed it. Who were the guys you were up against? It. Give me some names. Uh, Stoney Crouch got second. And then um, Zachary Boshu, uh, Lloyd Go, and uh, um, Jimmy Stanger. So these are highly ranked guys. Yeah. That's quite a thing. You know? Yeah, it was It was really cool.
0: Your story's incredible. I mean, your dad's obviously got you in the golf, and you know, the game became very simple to you at a, at a very early age. Why do you think that was? What what happened? When you first picked up a golf club and the ball just started going in the direction you wanted it to and putts started to go in, what was the deal?
2: I don't know. I mean, I, I never felt something so good as it at a golf shop here. Um, and I mean, I've always had like good natural hand-eye coordination, so I'm pretty good at all the sports I play. But when I play golf it's, it's a lot more mental and I enjoy a mental challenge. Mm. And, and I also like doing things on my own. And uh, me hitting shots by myself instead of, you know, kind of relying on other members of a team. And I've always enjoyed doing that. And that's why I also play tennis. Yeah. But um, I guess I've always loved it, you know, just the feeling of winning um, and hitting shots that. Just feel nice, like little spinning wedges, and knock yeah. down three irons.
0: They do feel nice. Yeah, well, I'm not sure about the knock down three iron anymore. <laughs> <laughs> <Does> <laughs> but the little spinning wedges still feel good. They're called stingers these days. <laughs> yeah. Uh, tell me, uh, w- when you when you were coming through, um, did you ever think that a college like Stanford, at a, such a young age, would be asking for a letter of intent and all that kind of stuff? I mean, this this sort of stuff. The more I read about you, Carl the better it gets. I mean, what were you, 15 years old and Stanford? Yeah. That, that, and for people who don't understand the college system, that's, that's the college that Tiger Woods went to. Yeah. So they're asking you to sign a letter of intent so early.
2: Uh, yeah, I uh, committed in March this year. How old were you? I was 15. Yeah. And I'll sign my letter of intent in 2020 or yeah. 2019. And I mean, ever since I took my visit, I just knew it was the place to go. And they said that there was that offer on the table, and I said, "Oh well, I'll take it." <laughs> Full ride? Yeah, it's pretty hard to turn down Stanford, so. Is
0: That about forty or fifty thousand dollars worth a year, as as far as the scholarship yes, is concerned.
2: Yes, around fifty. Yeah.
0: It's a seriously cool part of the world, though. Yeah, Stan- San
2: Francisco is like incredible.
0: Yeah. yeah. So what's next? I mean, you've, you've come back to play a little bit. Clearly, you've still got to go to high school, otherwise Stanford are going to reject you straight away. You've got to <laughs> not only finish high school, but get some pretty good grades mm-hmm. to, to get through there. Yeah. Um, the time off that you get to play the big tournaments that you need to play to keep um, you know, competitive, uh, that's all cool with the school that you're at at the moment, the high school you're at?
2: Yeah, but there's a certain amount of days I have to... Like, I can't miss more than 30 days of school. So I have to be careful. I mean, this tournament was pretty good with the schedule because it was Thanksgiving <laughs> break. So I mean, it kind of—I didn't miss any days of school for it. But it, they, they are pretty flexible.
0: Before I go any further, I've got to ask you: How'd you play today? I forgot—I forgot to even ask you how you played today. What uh, you
2: shoot? Today was—it wasn't bad. I mean, my driver was all over the place, so I got to go to the range and fix it. But it was pretty, pretty up and down. Uh, it wasn't great to finish my round but, I mean, I still shot one over, so I definitely think that there's still a chance for tomorrow if I just fix up my driver because my irons and everything else is really on point right now.
0: So when your driver was going all over the place, you're saying,
2: was it actually going left and right? Like or? No, just, like, hooks left. Just hooks Massive left. Massive hooks left. So
0: tell us, what, what, why, what are you going to go down and work on at the range to stop that and get that going arrow straight tomorrow?
2: Um, probably try some, like, standing close to the ball and taking it uh, more vertical on takeaway because I was hitting toe hooks. So, I mean, i got to put a sharpie on my ball and, you know, try to find where my contact pattern is and um, hopefully I'll be able to get it more consistent by the end of the day.
0: See what you've just done there? That's what the rest of the world's golfers before you haven't told us. Keep that in your bag of arsenal, please. When you're asked what you're going to do, tell us what you're going to do because it is great to listen to. Um, the best golfers in the world, just explain. And, and and you know, everyone learns from the game yeah. when you guys talk like that. So thanks so much for joining us. Yeah, no problem. One over par, you hit, you drop, hit the ball left all day. <laughs> so he said it's a, it's a great score. Carl, good luck with everything. Thank you. Appreciate it. Carl Vilps there. What a story. Uh, there is a name to remember.
1: There is, Marco. A uh, really well-spoken young man. For, how old did you say? Was 15? 15. 15-year-old. 15 and, uh hey, it was great to hear, too, when he said he was driving left, exactly what he was going to go out and fix up yeah. on Thursday afternoon after his uh, his first round.
0: Well, that's your idea. So we're, we're going to start training kids. Yeah. Anytime we get a kid <laughs> on, we're going to get him to tell us what he's actually working that's on. It. We're going to put that in his head. Instead of the blah, blah, blah answers when mm-hmm. someone asks what you're working on, Carl Vilps is going to change the world. Perfect. Alright, we're going
1: to get to a break. Marco's Masterclass of free golf lessons coming up. Stick around.
0: Now on the Clubhouse. Marco's masterclass.
1: Yeah, It's that time of the show where we get a free golf lesson from the number one teacher in golf on radio. His name is Mark Allen. We do it all for Club Mandalay Golf Course. Play golf at Club Mandalay. It's great golf in Melbourne's north. Uh, visit clubmandalay.com.au. Play golf, play Club Mandalay. Now, these things you remember when you're a pro comes very naturally, but it's great to be
0: back at a tournament venue again and watching the pros practice their putting mm. because you soon learn... Or remember, there's no hit when you putt. There's no hit. Now, I want you to get in your putting stance, Jules, right. and I want you to pretend you're rolling a ball. So roll a ball with your right hand on the ground. You've got a ball in your hand, and you're just going to roll it. Yep. You can see how that hand lays back a little bit and you actually put the top spin on mm. the ball. You're going to put the top spin on the ball. That's right. So there is no hit mm. with the hand. You wouldn't roll it and go it up because the ball would go up in the air. Right. To roll the ball on the ground your hand actually stays back a little bit and you put topspin on the ball. Mm. This is exactly the feeling you should have when you putt. Every single time that you hit a putt, whether it's one foot or 100 feet, even with a putter in your hand, you've got to feel like you're rolling the ball. As soon as you start hitting putts, it's a disaster Mm. because the hands become too active. But when you roll the ball along the ground, it is a different game. And I know when we... Got out here on Thursday, pointed something out to you. We saw a putt hit Yes. from the front of the green. I said, gee, that ball jumped in the air. Jason Day. Jason Day. It jumped in the air. Where did it finish? Five foot short. That's right. That comes from a short backswing. He knew he had a short backswing, and he hit the putt. You could see it. I could see it, because yes. I've been watching golf for a million years. The ball go, jumps up in the Little air. Bobble. It doesn't roll. It Bubble, bubble, bubble. Comes up four feet short. You have to feel like you're rolling your putts. Couldn't agree Even more. with a putter in the air. Now, if you don't understand that feeling... Get in a putting stance, put a ball in your right hand and just feel like you're rolling it towards the hole. Put some top spin on the ball and then when you put the putter back in the hand you've got to do the same sort of thing. Mm. You don't use wrists to yep. hit the ball. You got to feel like you're caressing it, you're rolling it over and over and you'll get the job and done. And I feel
1: like Marco it's as much about the follow through as well as oh, it is. Absolutely. And that's where that's where if you a lot of people decelerate through their putting stroke and stop just after they've hit it. And yeah. that's that's where you get that jump and the, the ball wobbles. Yeah, you know, the funny thing is,
0: too, when you're actually on a putting green, just actually roll a ball at some of the holes because you'll find that on the short ones you'll just do a little backswing mm-hmm. and on the long ones you'll do a long backswing. And that is exactly what you've got to be doing when you have a putter in your hand as well. Too yep. many people have the same length back backswing mm-hmm. for every putt. But their backswing will be a foot long for their three-footers And they're 50-footers, and it doesn't make sense. But if you get into the feel of rolling, that's where the backswing length will start coming in pretty Mm. intuitively, and away you'll go. So don't hit putts. You've got to feel like you roll putts, and it'll change everything you do in the game.
1: There you go, Marco's Masterclass, all for Club Mandalay. You can play golf for two people at Club Mandalay, including a motorised cart with a drink for only $79. Good value on this Australian Open. Weekend, if you want to have a hit, if you're inspired by some of the great golfers getting around out here. Marco, thank you for that. Good on you, Jules. uh, if you are tuning in across the weekend. Whenever you are listening to our uh, little show, if you want to listen to Australian Open Golf Radio, uh, you can tune in on golf.org.au and uh, listen throughout the weekend. Marco, we'll be back next week. A full wrap of the Australian Open, and uh, we'll take a good look at what happened. Good on you, Jules. Catch you then. We'll see you next week.